the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, the Democrats learned during COVID that uh, you don't need due process and you don't need data on your side. So we should not be surprised that Columbus City Council has uh, stood behind Mayor Andrew Ginther's order that every food truck in the short north has to be closed by midnight. That is where we begin a Tuesday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to be with you. Uh, What a morning at the Pastor Appreciation Breakfast hosted by our sister station, 8.80 a.m. Bob Burning, awesome job being the uh, master of ceremonies. Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis was the uh, featured speaker. I got a chance to meet several of the pastors there, and they are doing important work. So uh, great job, awesome event, and uh, perhaps we'll have more on that as the day unfolds. But we start with Columbus City Council last night. Not a surprise. I mean, Andrew Ginther, the mayor, is a Democrat. Everyone on city council is a Democrat. Uh, if you want to hold office in the city of Columbus, even in the judiciary, you pretty much have to be a Democrat. We have had a fair amount of judges who were elected as Republicans change their labeling to Democrat, all in an effort to continue their uh, lucrative grift. So it's not a surprise that Columbus City Council last night unanimously approved Andrew Ginther's executive order that food trucks have to shut down in the short north at 11.59 p.m. Now, Council President Shannon Harden uh, comes by his Democrat bona fides naturally, it appears, uh, because he said that we believe that this effort is a short-term effort. We also saw that it worked this last weekend. Now, we had two very violent weekends in the short north. We had 10 people shot three weeks ago. We had a 21-year-old murdered two weeks ago. And then this past Friday and Saturday night, we had no shootings and no one murdered. And so Shannon Harden is saying, and this past Saturday night was the first time that food trucks had to be shut by midnight. And Shannon Harden says, you know, we didn't have anybody shot. We didn't have anybody murdered. So it worked. Okay, I suppose you could credit the closing of the food trucks to the lack of gunfire and death and mayhem. But is it possible that the inordinately heavy police presence on the streets, on bicycles, on horseback, in helicopters, is it possible that might have kept the weekend violence-free? Had the food trucks been allowed to do business? Has the mayor, the answer to these questions, of course, is no. Has the mayor offered any data that people standing in line to eat between the hours of midnight and 2.30 a.m. is a precursor 
or contributor to violence in the short north? Is there something about having, I'm going to assume there are taco trucks in the short north. I'm going to assume there are trucks that have hot dogs and burgers, gyros. What else might there be at a food truck? Pretty much anything. I'm going to assume that the violence in the short north is not because the people there have full stomachs or because they're angry that they have to wait in line to get their food. You know, there is a compilation of two phenomenon that we often credit for an explanation when we ourselves get outside of ourselves. We are said to be, when hungry and angry, hangry. Is it possible that the violence in the short north is because people are hangry? And if we shut the food trucks down, they'll become more hangry? <laughs> no, not according to Shannon Harden. But what bothers me about this is I'm a capitalist. I admire people who have a vision, invest their own capital, take a risk, work hard, and better themselves. All of those things apply to people who have food trucks. Okay? You've taken a risk. You've made the investment. It can't be easy to maneuver those big things around a place like the short north. You've probably staked out where's the best place for us to be. Where do we do the best business? You probably have to get all kinds of permits from the city and the health inspector and this, that, and the other. So you make all these people jump through every possible hoop you can, inspecting them for cleanliness and licensures and all these other things. And then you tell them, and oh, by the way, on the most lucrative nights of your month, you can't do business anymore in the hours where you do the best business. That's not something driven by data. It's certainly not something driven by the parameters of the Constitution. But if we learn one thing about Democrats, and I would say, too, about Donald Trump, and I would say about Mike DeWine and certain Republicans, it is that they may say they elevate the Constitution, they may say that they hold it dear, but when it came down to actually following it in the face of fear, then the Constitution and all that it protects became optional. That's why we got vaccine mandates. That's why we got booster mandates. That's why we got lockdowns. That's why we got closures. That's why we got ridiculous policies like restaurants had to close at 10 o'clock because COVID came out with fangs bared after 10 o'clock. That's why you had to put a mask on to walk to the restroom in a restaurant, but you could sit down at what, 18 inches lower, COVID hovered menacingly over your head, but wouldn't infiltrate your nostrils and mouth, and you wouldn't get COVID if you were just sitting there eating a steak. None of that was data-driven, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to allow them to do it again. And you say, well, I'm not in the short north. I don't care. I understand that, but still, you should care when the Constitution, when your freedoms are shunted aside, all in the name of cosmetic policy that, honestly... I think we all know. I think even Shannon Harden knows. has nothing to do with anything. The closing of the food trucks at midnight is a response to the classic, oft-stated Democrat and sometimes Republican-stated plea 
Do something. Not do something smart. Not do something data-driven. Not do something legal. Just do something. I feel bad for the people who own food trucks. Uh, One of them tells, I think it's ABC6, that he will suffer an $8,000 a month loss because of that. He said, as far as food truck goes, I'm losing about $8,000 a month. That's just with one cart. That is just gone. We have a very large country, this food vendor, his name is Adam Wallace, says, we have a very large country that has food carts everywhere in big cities. You don't see them saying food carts cause violence. Only here in Columbus do you hear them saying food carts cause violence. Yeah, because Andrew Ginther's desperate. He's got his U.S. Council of Mayors coming in in two weeks, and he wants to have a show of force in the short north, and anything that might draw people to the short north, he's going to inconvenience them, maybe crush them if he has to, in order to make a good impression on his fellow mayors. So, if he had produced statistics, if he had produced evidence, video, body camera, footage that, you know, when people are standing in line at food carts, they have a chance to take issue with each other and fights break out, and we had X number of fights that happened in food cart lines, then I'll listen. But as it is, he doesn't do that. He doesn't have that data. He can't provide that data. He won't provide that data because it doesn't exist. And so we'll just close the food carts. And if you go out of business, too bad for you. Now, how many arrests did they make Friday and Saturday night? According to the dispatch, they issued 224 traffic tickets. Man, oh, man. That's that's some serious broken windows policing there, which normally I'm all about. But when it's just done for cosmetic reasons... I can see it for what it is. 297 parking tickets, 107 cars towed, not allowed to park there anymore after certain hours, four misdemeanor arrests. Keep in mind, I'm not mocking Columbus police here. I'm mocking the mayor, and I'm mocking the chief of police, Elaine Bryant, who lets him use her police as puppets, while any other time, Andrew Ginther and Shannon Harden and their stupid police oversight review board filled with people who know nothing about policing because they've never been police. All of them do nothing but question police, disparage police, diminish police, fail to support police. But when handy Andy Ginther needs law and order, then he puts the police on puppet strings. And what we get is a short north that is artificially protected because there's no guarantee... This is going to stay this way the minute the cops go away, the minute life returns to quote-unquote normal in the short north, it's quite likely the violence will return. But the U.S. Council of Mayors will be gone by then, and Andrew Ginther won't care as much. All he'll have to do then is just tell you how unacceptable it is, which is the word he breaks out every single time, when what is truly unacceptable is his bad leadership of the city. Well, we had a bit of excitement this morning at the East Linden Elementary School on Brentnell Boulevard. I assume the kids are still in school, but they were not in school at 6.40 a.m. when Columbus police found a stolen vehicle crashed into the playground. Now, they believe the incident is related to the Kia boys who have uh, stolen many Kias and uh, many Hyundais over the last 
few years. And they also say in this 10TV report they believe that the person who crashed the vehicle into Livingston Elementary School in the winter also was the person at fault or at the center of this. Interesting. Why wasn't this person in jail? Oh, that's right. We don't put car thieves in jail in the city of Columbus, particularly when they're Kia boys, because that would be racist, of course. By the way, I had an interesting conversation with a Columbus police officer over the weekend who said that the judge, the juvenile court judge, Kim Brown, who accused the cops of being racist, uh, may now be coming around and may be open to uh, punishment for crimes. Wouldn't that be wild? We go punishment for crimes? We actually do like what's worked before? Yeah, that'd be crazy. Well, uh, they are still carjacking and stealing cars in many areas of the city, and a teacher at East High School was carjacked Monday at noon. WSYX reports that two armed suspects drove into the school parking lot, robbed the teacher at gunpoint, and stole the teacher's car. You know what I would do if I were East High School. You know what, well, no. You you know what I would do? You know what East High School should do? They should call Andrew Ginther, and he would tell them to close at noon. And then this wouldn't happen. Bad things happen, just close earlier. That's Andy Ginther's solution. (laughs) Last night, Columbus City Council, while affirming the mayor's stupid order to close food trucks at midnight on the weekends, also spent five hundred and fifty grand on more temporary lights and camera systems to place them in the city's parks. I'm fine with that. There was some complaining that temporary cameras were moved from city parks into, guess where, the short north over the weekend, which didn't sit well with residents in some areas of the city where they have city parks. You can't do that. You can't be taking stuff out of the city's parks and taking it to the short north. I mean, you can, but it's not smart, which, again, Ginther's in charge, so don't expect smart. But we had two teenage, at least two teenage girls that I can think of murdered in city parks last year by Centennial Park. Olivia Kurtz, uh, the park on the east side, Mackenzie Ridley. We need to have cameras in all those parks. Then we had another shooting in another park. A kid, he's already been arrested, where he killed a young mom. I think she was 24. So, yeah, and this, again, it's not hot yet. The violence goes up as the temperature goes up. Uh, Columbus police also released photos yesterday of two suspects who they think shot the 12 year old boy at Eakin Elementary School. Uh, They note that the boy was shot during a large fight as students were being dismissed around 3.25 p.m. Hmm. A large fight at an elementary school. wonder if it might be a good idea to rethink the whole school resource officers in schools are racist narrative. Maybe. Maybe. Just saying. Things that have worked before. Now, I touched on this a week or so ago. I will touch on it again because I want you to be aware of the crazed liberal narratives out there that are permeating their way into conversations, even in areas of town that are not typically ruined by woke policies. City of Dublin is quite a success story. 
If you remember, if you've been a longtime Central Ohio resident, long enough to, let's see, you'd have to go back to, you'd have to go back to the 1970s probably. Do you remember what Dublin was like then? Sure you do. There was nothing from Sawmill Road all the way, from Sawmill and Bethel all the way to Sawmill and 161, uh, Sawmill and 270 rather. There was nothing but Don Scott Field. That was it. You remember downtown Dublin, a sleepy little pizza shop right on the square. You don't remember any of the beautiful high-rises, any of the beautiful buildings, any of the big, long footbridge, no bridge park. No nothing. The Memorial Tournament was the catalyst to Dublin mushrooming into one of the most affluent and enviable suburbs out there. Used to have one high school. Now they got three. Wouldn't surprise me if they get four pretty soon. But the woke narrative that has crept in to be stuck on Dublin is that it lacks affordable housing. And even the people in Dublin are falling for this utter nonsense. I'm reading a story here from one of the uh, WCMH, of course, one of the woke, wokest media outlets in town, Channel 4, NBC. Uh, Dublin lacks affordable housing for young adults and families as the median sale price for a home in the city has risen to a half a million dollars. A new study has found, well, if a new study found it, it has to be right, doesn't it? Let me make this clear. There is no affordable housing shortage in Dublin. Everyone who lives in Dublin presumably can afford living in Dublin. That is a different question than Is it expensive to live in Dublin? Yes, it is expensive to live in Dublin. It's expensive to live in Upper Arlington. It's expensive to live in New Albany. That doesn't mean that everyone is able to live there or should be able to live there. We have always had affluent, safe neighborhoods. That's not to say white neighborhoods, as I've said many times. I don't care. And I don't live in Dublin. Okay? I used to live in Upper Arlington. It's been 20 two years since I lived in Upper Arlington. But this is utter nonsense that a city has to lower its standards on housing in order to invite everyone in. You know what that does? It lowers the value of the housing for the residents who live there now. It just does. But we've got city planners and all that say, oh, More than 16,000 Dublin workers, about 34% of them live in Columbus. Only 7.4% live in Dublin. So what? That is today's so what story. People have for ages driven to where the jobs are. My dad drove 30 miles to his job in a factory when I was in high school. Why? Because it paid more. Because my little sleepy town... There were no factories. This is stupid. This affordable housing narrative. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.